0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to LetterTech Lab. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Welcome to this episode of the program today. Today, we're talking about applications in the railroad space. And so we're going to be diving into a lot of the different sensors and technologies that are used in this area. And joining me once again here on the podcast is John Dynan. He's the field applications engineer at LetterTech. John, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me, man.
1: Thank you, Tyler. Glad to be here.
0: So, John... Just uh, just start off by giving us uh, an overview of what technology is most commonly used to monitor railroads these days, and, and maybe some of the shortcomings that, that go along with the technologies that are currently in use.
1: Um, well, there's a very large, uh, let's say, technology stack that can be used for a wide variety of applications in the railroad uh, industry. Uh, first, you have GPS, which is uh, commonly used to track the movement of uh, trains along the railway. Then you have uh, a lot of intrusive, what we call uh, technology. This can be either uh, wires directly into, uh, or connected within the rail, sections of rail. And when the train passes, it creates a magnetic current within the wires. So there's a presence detection. This is a possibility. Uh, there's also magnetic pucks that can be under, placed on the, the, the rail. Uh, these technologies are very good at presence detection. However, there can be susceptible to, uh, you know, you have many trains passing by and sometimes it can be something hanging loose and just take it all off. So this is a, but anyways, this is used for mainly presence detection of uh, trains or rail cars of all sorts. Uh, you also have radar that can be used. Uh, you have cameras, but uh, uh, so, so technically you have all of, and there's also now LIDARs, of course. But uh, within all of these uh, technologies, they're all used for various applications, and of course, they, have, they all have their strengths and weaknesses, and uh, the goal is to uh, you know integrate you know, the one that makes the most sense, both commercially, with its pricing and with the application where it's installed.
0: Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. And, and when it comes to letter tech solutions, what are some of the applications where we could see your technology being deployed? What are some of those uh, those scenarios? Some um, you know some some of those particular areas.
1: Well, there there are a lot, uh, many of them. But uh, first, I think it's important to explain uh, the strengths and weakness uh, uh, of uh, our lidars and uh, the various technologies that uh, I was discussing about. So because for each of application i'll mention uh, there's a counterpart and you know why one would make more sense than another so i'll just make an hybrid of both uh these questions so um well uh, let me start with with the pros and cons so camera uh, can be used to uh, of course monitor, uh, monitor uh, all activity that can be uh, on the railroad. So you're talking about trains, you're talking about cars, you're talking about pedestrians. You it can, it can survey pretty much anything. Uh, the good thing about the cameras is that itself as a hardware, it's very inexpensive. So, you know, in all our, of our cell phones, uh, we all have cameras, cost a buck or two. Uh, it can be very cheap. However, what's difficult with cameras is the processing of the data. So you have two options. Either you have a human, which monitors the data, and that's, very intuitive for us, but it's hardly scalable because, you know, if you want to monitor uh, <laughs> all the real activity that there is, you know, you need to have a humongous team. It doesn't really make sense. The other alternative is to have an intelligent AI that does all of this processing. However, as soon as you go in that field, the price tag of these cameras can shoot up from... A couple of dollars or to a couple of thousands of dollars so depending on the application it could make sense or not and uh the other let's say uh, problem with camera is that uh depending and this is you know depends on st- state or province where you are but generally people don't like to be watched so you know uh privacy is a very important factor and there are some places where people just don't want cameras they don't want to Feel that you know kind of big brother is watching it's not a uh it's not applicable so they'd rather have a more anonymous sensor that would be watching such as uh, all the other that are not where you cannot say hey this is my stepbrother passing there uh you can't do that with <laughs> radar or light or other technology um then we you have radar radar is very good at detecting large masses uh and detecting metal surfaces so radar can be very good to detect just you know passing train but the problem with radar it would be identification of various uh uh we could say uh, uh targets so radar could hardly make the difference in some instances of you know rolling garbage you know kind of uh soda cans that would be in the vicinity versus a train versus a car versus a human just Uh, the positioning of the target and the identification is very difficult but in some application it makes sense you know if you look at some place where it's only a train coming and you don't mind it can make sense but in a more dynamic environment or in classification purposes it it doesn't really make sense Um, then you have all i've mentioned before you know uh, intrusive technology so anything that's in the tracks these are very good at uh, identifying trains and they're, they're cheap you they, they can up, obtain it for, you know, uh, even below $100 a piece to monitor an area. However, being intrusive, often you have to dig in the, you know, almost trenches to pass wires to, for the communication and uh, pairing the installation price of the digging and also of the, you know, some, some of them, some sites the wires or the pucks can be ripped you know every winter they can be ripped a couple of months some will last for maybe a few years if it's lucky but it's very dependent on the area and basically it just becomes a struggle in operations for um maintaining all of the system because you know if you have only 100 sites to monitor well you know you can probably manage a few repairs a year but if you have uh you know thousands of uh uh level crossings that you have to monitor. Well, it doesn't make sense. You know, it, it just doesn't make sense anymore. And, uh, GPS itself, uh, very good technology. Uh, it has just a few limitations, uh, such as, uh, you know, in tunnels, you lose signal. Uh, uh, there's some very remote areas where, you know, GPS signal could be, uh, uh, less, you know, unless it's precise, but generally, uh, GPS is very good for tracking the train, but however, uh, you know gps is can only do one thing just you know tracking of displacement and of id of the train and the problem where you know the limitation into identification and tracking with gps is that uh, all of the data that you have associated with that tracking is what has been manually inputted or at the original point so let's say you have a driver who's saying you know i'm which id i'm on this path and the gps knows and the, it mightn't believe that there's a hundred cars behind, but it's possible that, you know, there was 115 cars or 85 cars. Well, you don't have a valid uh, validation or verification of this, uh, the ID, you put it in and you know, it's, it just, it's the an identity and it's moving around and you can track it, but you don't necessarily have a bulletproof idea of what's the identity of the real uh, train itself. So now I'll move on of, of, uh um, with our technology. Uh, uh, letter tech and especially we have a new product which is called a uh, letter sight and this is uh, a 2d lidar uh, solid state which is uh, ip67 and ip69k so a very sturdy and resistant uh, sensor and what it does it's really it gives you uh, a distance measurement feedback and you can have also a very precise Uh, shape of the object in 2D that can be built so you can do profiling with it when placed uh, correctly and I'm going to go through uh, various uh, applications uh, where this can be used and leveraged because, uh, as you will see, there's we really see that there's a very large open space of applications that are a bit either untapped by the market or that right now are tapped, but with, with uh, technologies with a few limitations. So we really feel it's like a large opportunities for integrators right now. So first, there's the rail yard. So where uh, the rail cars or locomotives are uh, say stored in open space. Uh, first, you have uh, shunting. So rail yard rail yard shunting is when uh, you know you have a freight train and it's just going down the tracks and building uh, the, the whole train itself. Well, you can monitor uh the shunting areas to make sure that the car are not stuck between rails between the the switch points that's one of of the solutions you can do and again with our technology it's not intrusive so you can just have the sensor placed uh, uh you know few meters away from the real car nothing you know intrusive So there's just, you know, that's the main advantage because usually rail cars are these shunting points. You have these pucks or these wires that get torn apart every year. So that's the big difference. Uh, Then you also have autonomous assembly. So for example, if you would have a train uh, that could run autonomously and build itself autonomously, well, you can have sensors installed on each uh, rail cars that would detect the distance between each car. So the train can know when to accelerate or decelerate to do uh, the building of the car. So this is more of the application and and there's even, you know, presence detection rail, you can do uh, in rail yard, you can do presence detection to know which lane is full, which lane is empty. Uh, There's, you know, limitless, but uh, opportunities there, but uh, these are the most, uh, you know, where we see more value in. Then there's uh, collision avoidance. Uh, This is important in many different uh, areas in the sense that uh, you can have workers so uh, uh you know people who are there to do maintenance do monitoring on the rail well sometimes they're placing corners uh you know you have if you're in a straight line usually what you have is an operator that will well, uh, a worker that will be around and it, his sole job is to watch if a train is coming uh, but if you have a place where there's a curve well, this can be more difficult because even though you have a limited vision space, well, what you can do is take one of our LIDARs, put it on a tripod, and install it You know, at the end, at the start of the curve and the other start of the curve. And you can have an alarm that would go as soon as there's a detection of a train to alert the workers uh, um, that a train is coming so that it can safely go on the track. So that's the first collision avoidance um, they can have. The other one is on all types of... Uh, rail cars that are moving at low speed. So if we think about, uh, you know, trains that are moving at low speed, trams, or even uh, various types of track equipment, so the equipment that is doing maintenance on road, well, as soon as you're thinking about less than 50 kilometers per hour, you can use our technology uh, to make an alert for the driver to make sure, you know, that there's a target, there's an obstacle in the path, you can alert it the reason why we, we we stay in the vicinity of 50 kilometers per hour it's a mix of both the range of our sensors and the measurement rate because uh uh the faster you're going uh the range that you this required in refresh rate is exponentially uh, rising uh there are other technologies that can do that but for the scope of uh, the letter site this is where uh, uh it's applicable and so i already talked about the rail yard I've already talked about collision avoidance. Now there's the other one that's very important is uh, level crossing. So and a level crossing uh, uh, amounts for a, quite a big chunk of the uh, railroad accidents uh, toll per year. And one of the ways that our technology can be leveraged, and this is also one of the places where cameras are used and where it's you know tricky to use them for the reasons that I previously uh, mentioned, um, Having our sensors at uh, uh, level crossings ensures the anonymity of the people who are there, but you can have access to knowing if there are vehicles or cars, uh, passenger cars or trucks or people who are walking uh, on the railroad, on the crossroad, sorry. Uh, so basically when uh, 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 the crossroad gates go down, it's possible that people are stuck in so it's possible that you have a large bus that's really, you know, tightly squeezed between two uh, gates, uh, you can have passenger cars that just, you know, try to sneak around uh, the two gates to, you know, save a couple of minutes very dangerous maneuver <laughs> not do at home, but it happens. And what's dangerous too, is that uh, most, uh, you know, when you, you're taking about a freight train, uh, these can take kilometers to stop. So if you have a curve and you know the, the, the train operator is coming well he doesn't know what's happening and when he sees the scene it's too late there's nothing he can decelerate of course but you know he's going to go through that level crossing so one of the solution that exists is to have this monitoring system which is paired to the incoming uh, uh, train operator so as soon as uh, for example uh the train operator would be in a vicinity of a number of kilometers from the the level crossing while well, they were both communicating and uh, uh the operator could have either a warning of presence perhaps it could be paired with uh a, a, another te- a feed of technology with related information what's going on so just giving you know a heads up to the operator to perhaps be slowed down furthermore uh and to be safer on that so that's one of the applications the, the other type that we can see is that it's possible uh, when the freight train uh, is stopped. Sometimes we've all experienced this. You're at the level crossing and uh, either the train is just stopped there and you can wait for like 20 minutes because the train is just stuck there and the gates that happens. Or even sometimes uh, the train is just a little bit, you know, you can see the train is no longer on the road but the gates are still down. So those are two uh, opportunities that still happens. Well, by placing our technology there, uh, one of the advantages is that um, you have the safety of detection, of detecting the train that is still there. So you know when to accurately keep the gates down. But when the train has slightly moved away and it's safe to pass, well, then you can open them up. Because right now, the, the way technology is made with uh, the, the, it's mostly, you know, wires that are passed in the track, but these wires, you know, they span from very long range. They can go, you know, 40 meters in the direction, 40 meters in other direction. So even though if they're 20 meters away, the gates are still down. So, because the only thing the wires tell you is that there's a presence somewhere, so it doesn't take any chance. But with a technology that's able to know exactly where the train is well you can you know further say accurately say when the train is blocking the road or not so allowing people to pass so this is uh uh well there's another one for level crossing and it's a data management so for example for uh some authorities or you know uh, municipalities you could be interested by knowing was the traffic uh We're talking about, you know, people with their, their vehicles or cars, you know, how much people are passing through these uh, level crossing per year or per month. This uh, uh, can be valuable data for traffic management operations and uh, with our technology, there's also counting of the passing traffic that can be done. That's a valuable data that can be uh, extracted as well from the technology. And uh, uh, lastly. We have the other it's a big realm of application, which is uh, train tracking. So we were talking earlier about GPS uh, applications, which is tracking the flow of trains. But uh, for example, uh, these, these GPS don't accurately tell the length of these trains nor uh, their compositions in terms of number of cars, rail cars, sorry, and their type. And with our technology, it's possible to place it near uh, uh, the railroad and to monitor the train. So, for example, uh, if in your system you have your G- GPS identity that's passing by, and then our te- our sensor detects it, well, you can okay say okay, well, the train starts here. But then, with our you know each our, our sensors have many channels and they're each independent. They each have their their distance that is being formed. So you you really have the shape of the train that appears. So you can one count the number of rail cars there is, because each time, let's say there's two trains that pass. Well, you know the 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 uh, the distance detection hits the side of the train, then goes between the two cars. Then you know you know that's a different unit, and then it comes back to the next. So you can really count. For example, there's a series of 120 rail cars. Then with the shape of, let's say if it's a tank car, well, you know it'll be kind of a a big a long cylinder. These one that contains uh, usually, uh, uh, you know, all sorts of, uh, uh, you know, related to to uh, petroleum industry. Uh, well, if you have this circular shape, well, you know, it's a tank car, so you can count. Perhaps there's it was 120 uh, uh, tank cars. Um, you can know if it's a flatbed, so these are the types where there's nothing on it. You can know if it's a box car, double box car, and you can even know if it's a, a open top hopper and these are the the types of uh, uh, rail cars that have their open top and furthermore there are some applications that could be interesting where um, you can place the sensor a little bit more uh, in height to look inside the, the open top hopper and with that you can understand what's in well not what's inside but you can understand the volume of what's inside so for example if you'd be a having a coal mining operation, and you want to know how many coal you've uh, you've transported out of your facility, well, you can count the numbers uh, uh, of uh, open uh, top hoppers that gone out, but you can also have an estimation of how full were they. So that's another application that can be very interesting to understand uh, the composition of the freight train that is passing by. So this is, uh, and and even pairing this with the, the limitations of the GPS, so if we're talking about tunnels, it could be a situation if you have a very long tunnels and you really want to track the progression of the train inside these tunnels, well, you know, GPS just will give you the signal out. But if you have relayed uh, our technology in there that can assess the data, well, then you can output it, you know, with a wire outside and then you can communicate. But that's another way to do it. So I think our... I went through all of the applications that we believe uh, there's potential in and uh, and it, uh, to be transparent we're lidar makers we're not or we're, we're not uh, uh, claiming by any sense that we're uh, railroad experts so what we understand here this is probably I assume the tip of the iceberg Because these are the applications that, uh, you know, our teams have thought about and seen opportunities and seen you know, interest from the market in various areas, but there's definitely other applications that are left untapped as well with our technology.
0: Yeah, you, know, you, you mentioned that um, you know that there, uh, that there is this technology that, that has yet to really be fully leveraged by the marketplace. And, and I think that's interesting that you presented so many different opportunities for this technology to be used in railroad applications. And I wonder just if this is a matter of educating the marketplace, like what you're doing, of explaining, hey, here's how this technology can be used. Here's how it's beneficial. And that's really the big hurdle that needs to be overcome is just educating the market on what's available and
1: how it can be used. can be quite intimidating to see all of these and you know people can also be you know you have uh, your own tasks your own roles <laughs> as your your job that you have so pairing both is not obvious and and it's also you know uh this technology can be leveraged for uh, entrepreneurs that want to make new uh, applications or also for entrepreneurs so people who are within a large, uh, uh, you know, railroad company that have a, you know, always face a problem of managing, uh, for example, the wires or the magnetic, anything, say, uh, uh, intrusive technology that are managing these large uh, systems of teams that need to repair and all this, the places where it's not repaired yet and that they don't even notice broken. Well, that's, you know, the kind of spirit that, you know, pairing, you know, the desire to solve these problems with our technology, uh, and understanding that it's possible. That's, as you mentioned, this is the, where the, you know, getting the word out, uh, is, but also, uh, another aspect with the technology is very interesting is that, uh, there's also a level of difficulty that needs to be assessed in the sense, you know, like the, the, the technical capacity of a team and, you know, the technical challenge that they face because, uh, to be quite frank if the if the solution would be to use a camera and to build an ai on it well you know it's, it's, you need to be ultra specialized to do that you need to have a you know uh, uh, you know vision computer vision teams to build around that and we don't expect to find these types of teams in uh, the railroad industry it's possible but it's not you know it's not it's two different industries per se it's just such a specific uh, technical challenge So we can take kind of this type of solution out of the way. But with our new product, the letter site, there's two approaches to it. There's one, which is to take the feed of data. So it's take the feed of all these detection ranging, you know, measurements. So you'd have a kind of a feed of uh, a number of channels with distance, and you can interpret them uh, with different signatures, uh, different, uh, let's say, when I say signatures is, for example, as I was the example of, you know, you have uh, uh, counting the number of rail cars on a train. Well, if it's close to the train, close to the sensor, sorry, you have, you know, all of these kind of a wall of short detection, you know, there's a, a train there, a car. And when it passes and slips between, well, you know, you're detecting the ground further ahead and then it goes to the other rail car and you have a short. So you can see this as a signature to see, okay, we've passed from, one real car, reset to the next. So that's one way to build your, your your software with this part of the algorithm, which is reading that signature to understand plus one. So still, you know, this this is uh, uh, still a technical challenge and people have to assess that. So that's one of the way with our technology. Still a lot easier than building an AI, but still requires uh, an engineering team to do that. But the other one that's very exciting about the letter site is that we have something which is called the advanced detection zone, which it already does uh, the interface of what I've talked about, but within the sensor. So uh, you could it's kind of a, a form of pre-compiled uh, software inside of our sensor where you can say if the data came shorter than, let's say the range was three meters. If data is shorter than three meters and then becomes plus four meters, so you know there's the reset, you send a signal. So you could have a counter and the counter just counts the number of times the signal just repeated. So that's a possibility within the sensor. So for that, you know, you're talking about technical challenges very, very easy. You just have to to, to say, you know, okay, the, the, the detection went very short, detection very went very long, and you have an output. And if you have a counter, well, you know, you can easily count the number of rail cars that you have. So we, in a sense, there is the opportunity to, to really, you know, uh, the, the the way of, you know, KISS, keep it uh, stupid and simple uh, uh, moto and uh, uh, engineering. So you can make, you know, some projects very quickly with that type of approach and facilitation of the technical challenge.
0: Fantastic, fantastic stuff. John Dynanfield, application engineer at Lettertech. John, is there anything you want to say in closing and make sure our audience walks away with today uh, after they listen or watch this episode? Uh, a- anything else you'd like to say uh, to, to make sure that, um, yeah, that people understand about this uh, this topic before we sign off today?
1: Well, uh, uh, one of the things I would like to say is that we take uh, at Lettertech, uh, the railroad industry and the opportunities very seriously. And uh, uh, with the teams that we get to work with, we take, uh, uh, you know, we really invest ourselves uh, into these uh, projects. And for example, uh, the, 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 the advanced detection systems, the counter that I mentioned, this came out from one of the projects that we had within the railroad industry where we wanted to make uh, uh, the technical challenge easier for uh, the integration of the project. So, you know, we're very involved uh, in the project that we get in. And if we have to tailor a bit the product, uh, if we see that there's an opportunity in that sense to, you know, be an enabler for projects, uh, we're very keen to do that. So, yeah, we're very eager to see uh, new uh, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs starting new projects in the railroad industry and to work with them.
0: Excellent, excellent stuff. John Dynan, Field Applications Engineer at Lettertech. John, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast today and sharing your expertise and and some details about Lettertech solutions when it comes to the railroad industry. We appreciate it very much.
1: Thank you very much, Tyler. Uh, Enjoyed my time with you.
0: Absolutely. And everyone, thank you for tuning in to this episode of LetterTech Lab. We appreciate you joining us today. Of course, stay tuned for more episodes from LetterTech. Of course, you can always subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or visit LetterTech's website to stay up to date with the latest from LetterTech. And stay tuned. We'll be back soon with more episodes of the show. But until then, for my guest today, John Dynan, I've been your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for watching.